I believe in Christ, he is my king. With all my heart to him I'll sing. I'll raise my voice in praise and joy, in grand amens my tongue employ. Scriptures reveal the divine desires of the Lord in our behalf. Each of us should have a burning desire to search the scriptures diligently and daily to seek the will of the Lord in our life. Brothers and sisters, on very thin pages, thick with meaning, are some almost hidden scriptures. Hence, we are urged to search, feast, and ponder. If you are lonely, please know you can find comfort. If you are discouraged, please know you can find hope. If you are poor in spirit, please know you can be strengthened. If you feel you are broken, please know you can be mended. These chapters are, are really awesome because it, it's really setting the stage for Christ's appearance in the Americas and, and giving us an idea of where the people stand, like what, what, what the situation is that he's coming into. And I think that's relevant because um, in many ways it's similar to what our lives are like. I think it, there's a lot of parallels that I was looking at as we were looking at this. It's interesting because every time something amazing happens, it's like there's peace and understanding. And then over time, somebody wants to take advantage of that peace. And so they start to become Gadianton robbers again. Really, really kind of interesting how it's not just a pride cycle, but it's also like there's always somebody who wants to take advantage of the good situation that everybody's in. They try, they almost sabotage everyone, you know? I think about the Gadianton robbers and I either think either, because now we're going to run and, well, they're all over the place now and, in this part of the book. And I I wonder how many times when they say they've driven them from the land, if that means that they've they've chased them away so far that they say, get away from our land, don't ever come back, or they've killed them, yeah. all of them. Or they've it's a mixture of both, and a lot of them said, you know what, we're promised to obey the rules again. We're normal citizens, we'll, we'll obey the rules. And it's, I, I, because I don't know, because I, it's kind of funny how quickly they come back, how quickly everything is good, and how quickly they go back, and that frequency tends to be increasing. And then, if we look at the Gadianton robbers as a personality trait, like how quickly we turn away from the Lord, everything's good, and we forget the Lord, and we say, oh, okay, now I'm going to go do what I want. Then when everything's bad, all of a sudden, oh, we need the Lord again. <laughs> How many times can you do that flip-flop before you don't have enough integrity to truly change or to truly be honest about your change, you know? Yeah. And then you're kind of ripe for destruction. You're kind of past the, you know. And I, and I think what the Lord, like warning people, like we know he has. 
he's not waiting with his hand on a button ready to like, all right, send a meteor down to the, the you know, like ready, set, go, you know. I think I think that's not how he does it. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting the frequency. And maybe, you know, we didn't really have Gaddy Antrim rubbers at the beginning of the Book of Mormon. No. And maybe it's a sign of once these civilizations got big enough and complicated enough that the system allowed for this to happen. And the Gadianton robbers are the first thing they attack is the rule of law, like the integrity of, of their governments. And then once the people lose that integrity in their governments, they're, they either will have a war and drive them out because it got too bad, or they'll join them. You know, it's kind of weird. Well, it's interesting also because <clears throat> what is it that sustains them? You know, they, they don't have any way of sustaining themselves other than taking advantage of others, other than robbing, pillaging, and murdering and all that other people. So they're kind of like they, they depend on a functioning society for them to have their secret dysfunctional society. Yeah. And they cannot survive without it. And we see the example of that in later on in these chapters where, you know, the people kind of gather all together and they protect themselves and they bring in all their provisions and their livestock and their families and whatnot. And they kind of, uh, kind of hunker down against the Kedianton robbers to try and starve them of their source of, of income, you know, yeah. And it works because they're out there and they're kind of like, what are we going to do? We got to go in and attack these people. And they start getting, they try to lay siege on them and they start to get weak because they don't have anything to pull from the, from the people. And I think of that as like an illustration of how Satan works. Satan kind of relies on your need and desire to be good. And then takes a half turn to some of that stuff and says, well, this isn't the best, but this is, this is fine too. You can do this too. And he like almost relies on you and your understanding to try to pick it. I don't, I don't know how to describe it really. <clears throat> I guess, I guess the better example is that he, he can be starved of his power if you go closer to the Lord, you know, and if you pull those with you closer to the Lord and you say, we're not going to give him anything to thrive off of. Well, I think discernment, like the gift of discernment or, or the, the Holy Ghost showing you things as they really are. I think it's more than we look at it as I, I think what like uh, what Satan does that does really well is he takes your good intentions in your good disposition and your good desire and he channels it and veers it off in a weird direction so at first you start out yeah you should care about that and oh that that is the bad thing that happened we can't let that kind of thing happen around here and then he veers it into something bad and i think that's what the holy ghost and discernment does is it lets you know 
yes, that's a good intention, but you are crafty and you got some pitfalls, like the method. And I think that's, I think it's like the, the means, the, the means justify the ends. I think that works for Satan. We want this outcome and we'll get there however we can. And the outcome may feel good, but the way of getting there is not the good way, you know. And I think the Lord doesn't take those kind of shortcuts. And I think the spirit and discernment can tell you, it's a, yeah, that is a good thing. It's like how, how, like sexual attraction, it's such a powerful thing. It's not a bad thing. But not done correct. It's like bridle your passions and I'll fill you with love. It's not just about that. It's about anything. Anything uncontrolled can be left to to take over your life. You know, yeah. Workaholics. If you look at the the people in these chapters as a person, you know, you boil all of them down into one person, and this is an experience that one person is going through. We, we all have good aspects and bad aspects, things that are strengths and things that are weaknesses. And I think we need to take that example and kind of say, well, if I have bad tendencies or if I have weaknesses that tend to pull me away from God and cause me to sin, I need to do what I can to fortify against that and strengthen myself in the ways where I'm strong and kind of starve myself, uh, starve that bad side of me of strength, you know, and and then go back and fortify those weaknesses also and make them strong, which is what happens when once the Gedeonton robbers are defeated or they're kind of diminished, then what usually happens is the people send out missionaries and either, well, send out armies and either chase them out or those Gedeonton robbers start to see the errors of their ways and they change and they're converted, right? And I think that if you look at that as a, as a person, you're chasing out your, your bad tendencies, the things that you know you shouldn't be doing, and some of that will be converted into strength also in the process. And I don't know. I think that it was it's just kind of an interesting thing to, to think about how they approached the problem when, <laughs> when uh, what's-his-name... Gid Gadonai, is that his name? No, that's the good guy. Yeah, Gid Gadonai is the good guy. And he'll he? be with us for a while. Yeah. Gideon High. When he writes this letter, man, <laughs> to Laconius, and he's like, look, <laughs> uh, we're going to come and attack you. And I don't want any, I don't want you all to die, you know? Why don't you join us? Why don't you just join us, and then we'll we'll put you in a good spot, and everything will be fine. And it's it is impressive to me how he just did not even he didn't even flinch. Laconius didn't even flinch. He gets the letter, and he basically is like, "Yeah, we're not doing that." <laughs> he doesn't even because a weaker person would be like, "Well, I don't know. I'm in a pretty well, good spot." But... He probably can see that even if he joins, 
we're going to join. And then the people I'm supposed to be defending, we're going to be abusing them. We're going to subjugating them. Like he can really see what it's that spirit of discernment. He can really see that that's not happiness, that that's not the right path, you know? And I think there's a lot of cloudiness without the spirit and without having understanding good principles on one, why you're here, what your responsibilities are, what you should be doing in life. Without that, you can easily be swayed into these things. I look at, you know, when was it? It was uh, when Abinadi goes to King Noah. And one of the initial things, it's the priest say, look, he's disparaging our good king. Why would he say about our people? Like, And it's like, those are good emotions to have that have been twisted. Yeah. To, to want to say, hey, you shouldn't talk bad about our king. We should have respect for each other. We should, you know, and and you see that all the time when people argue, they'll, they'll, they're almost like virtual signaling. They'll say, oh, so you're saying that you don't care about these kids or these pygmy goats or these, you know, whatever. You don't care about our flag. That's what you really see. And you don't want, you know, and it's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I was saying you should be nice to people who have a different opinion than you. No, but you're really saying, you know, and, <laughs> and it's like, if you were to take that one item in a vacuum, yeah, you're probably right. That that emotion is good to be defending your point of view. What You know, no, no one thinks that they're the bad guy. That's the thing. The bad guys don't think they're the bad guy. They feel like they're like at the beginning of at the very beginning in chapter one of third Nephi, there's something really interesting that happens that I thought was really cool. In 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 verse four, and it said, And it came to pass in the commencement of the 90th and second year, behold, the prophecies and the prophets begin to begin to be fulfilled more fully, for there began to be great signs and great miracles brought among the people. But there were some who began to say that the time was past for the words to be fulfilled, which are spoken by Samuel the Lamanite. And they began to rejoice over their brethren, saying, Behold, the time is past, and, be, and the words of Samuel are not fulfilled. Therefore, your joy and your faith concerning this thing was in vain. And it came to pass that they did make a great uproar throughout the land, and the people who believed began to be very sorrowful lest by any means those things which had been spoken had not come to pass. So it's like, I don't know. I, I felt like the, it tells us there were great things that were happening. But there were a group of people who weren't happy that other people had faith or other people were happy. You had to go point out to them, hey, whatever you believe in is wrong and look, it's not happening, and you guys, all of this is in vain, you know? And and that's a very, I don't know, that's a very human thing to do that gets examples of that are all over the place, especially in our day. But it's almost like I can't be happy that you have your faith and you're looking for something because that means that I am wrong or I'm a sinner, or this. You know? Not only that, but this one was allowed to escalate a lot. Because in verse 9, it says, Now it came to pass that there was a day set apart by the unbelievers, 
that all those who <laughs> believed in those traditions should be put to death, except the sign should come to pass, which had been given by Samuel the prophet. Now it came to pass that when Nephi, the son of Nephi, saw this wickedness of his people, his heart was exceedingly sorrowful. I mean, he got to the point where not only, I mean, there's, there's some serious momentum happening here when it's like, not only are we just going to point out that none of this has happened and you guys are are, are fools, but in fact, we're going to kill you unless it happens. I mean, that's like, whoa, what? And it's interesting because I, I wonder how that played out exactly. Like, were they ready to kill them at that moment, you know? There's not really a, a, a clear I, moment I always, that it's going to happen. I always ask myself in these examples, especially in the Book of Mormon, is how do I make sure that I'm not the bad guy? Yeah. The story. Because it's really easy to look at the other people and say, oh, but they're definitely the bad guy. We're not them because we're the members of the church. So we we compare or we we assign or, or connect ourselves to all the good people in all these stories. But I'm curious, like, how do we make sure we're not the bad guy? How do we make sure that we're not the ones imposing our point of view on someone? And if they don't believe what we believe, then necessarily we're probably not going to kill them or assign a day to kill them. Right. But we may block them. We may dismiss them. We may belittle them. We may say, oh, they don't matter. And I think what, what I see that's a very difficult trait to have, but that Moroni, all these great men, all these great prophets have, is they have the correct balance of loving their neighbor and having tolerance, but also not letting that affect them and bring them down and declaring truth without yeah. without giving people ultimatums you know because that's what we tend to do is this or that or you know well well you see the the difference between how the lord works with people who think differently and how satan works with people who think differently because Remember, back when they established the church as the government, they established you can, there's freedom of religion. You can believe this or not. We're just asking for peace, you know? But you can't persecute somebody. You, know, they you were, can't persecute they people. They had some rules. You can, you, but you're free to believe whatever you'd like. And then when, when Satan tries to control things, he's basically saying, because you think this, we're going to kill you. And the equivalent today, like you said, we're not going to go out and probably murder someone for thinking, uh, just for thinking differently than us. But we might, like you said, uh, disregard them or dismiss them or belittle them for their way of thinking. And that's that's not how the Lord would have it. The Lord is saying everyone is entitled to think how they will. There, There is one solid truth, right? But you are entitled to your agency to choose. And and you need to come to a realization of that truth on your own. There will be prophets. There will be scriptures. There will be people along the way doing ministering to help guide you there. But ultimately, it's your decision. And if you choose to think differently, that is 
just as deserving of your respect because of your use of your agency as anything else. It doesn't mean you have to accept it or promote a, a wrong belief or something, but you definitely can't just remove someone from the equation just because they think differently or they think they have a different belief than yours. Just imagine if, if the Lord did that. He wouldn't <laughs> be a savior, you know? Yeah. He laid down his life for all of God's children. If he were to begin to say, well, not for these ones. Oh, my favorite ones, yes. But, you know, and it's like, if he will, if his love was so good that he's willing to suffer, he's willing to turn the other cheek. He's willing to forgive in his last breath, forgive those people who did this terrible thing to him. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Maybe that is a sign of where he's at. Not so much forgiveness is important. We should forgive him. But it's like he truly meant it where he, it's like, Father, they don't know what they're doing. And it's like, that's why I'm here. It's so they'll know what they're doing, you know, what, what, and it's, and if we're not willing to nurture those characteristics, then how can we claim to want to become like him or to follow his teaching? He's our master. We're going to follow. So, which means that we we're probably going to be put in situations where we have to forgive people that really don't know what they're doing. And we have to genuinely feel that where the world would say any offense, you're justified. And, and a lot of arguments online or a lot of things that are hurtful to others, we tend to make a, um, almost like a legal defense of why we're justified <laughs> in, in hating this person or, or canceling this group or asking for 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 everyone else to pick up a stone and throw it with us at this person or these people you know because we want to show how justified and and it's like i love western movies <laughs> uh because there's like this unfiltered raw violent justice that it's like <laughs> it's the right thing and it's like, but a good Western always has a great tragedy that justifies the hero in going out and just decimating some bad guys, you know, <laughs> because in our mind, that's easy to accept. Yeah. Something terrible happened. He's justified in, in just going out and laying waste and shooting up a whole town, right? Of, of bad guys, right? Yeah. Which, I don't know. I, we kind of romanticize that a little. I think it's important to note that at the same time that the Savior would forgive them, he also wouldn't say, oh, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. Also, I actually think that they're right and that we should be killing me. You know, he didn't start promoting them either. Yeah. And there are countless times in the scriptures where it's been like, look, I don't tolerate not even a little sin. You know, there is one truth, and it is Christ, and it is his gospel. And so he, he kind of says, look, uh, through through various prophets, saying, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to promote this way of thinking. This is not right. But I'm also not going to dismiss them from existence. Right? right? Because that that is not Christ-like. And that is not... I don't have to, to carry their banner, but I also don't have to need to make sure that they, they don't have a voice. Right. You know what I mean? It's part of that agency. We fought a war to protect our agency. And to say, this is right, that is wrong, and you can't choose wrong, it completely nullifies our agency. Well, I think of that scripture, you know, um, yeah. does man light a candle and hide it under a bushel? No, he puts it on a hill, so it provides light to all those around him. Yeah, I'm butchering the scriptures. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, don't don't hide your candle under a bushel. Yeah. Which means your example and what you believe in should be very viewable, easy to see, and should be a high contrasting thing, an enzyme to the nations. It should be, this is what truth is. This is what right. Now, you are inviting people to come, not forcing them to come. You know, you're not tricking them to come. You know, you're you're you are a beacon, and you're supposed to be the salt of the earth, the thing that preserves. And in the last days, the days we live in, it's even more important that you are that salt, because if the salt loses its taste, then it's good for nothing. You know, and that's what we're told. We're we are the ones preserving things in these last days. By doing what's right, and what happened? What if? What if you were told, Daniel, you're gonna be here in this location for five years? I need you there. There's a hundred bad things that are gonna happen to you, but I need that to happen so you can be an example, and one person will turn and join the church. What if missionary work was like that? I want you to, every time this bad thing happens to you, you continue to be optimistic, you continue to live your religion, you forgive people, and I promise you on the hundredth one, you're going to change one person's life. You'll be like, huh, I don't know, that, that could be worth it. You know? <laughs> but we live as if one bad thing happens to you, you better turn around and slap that person in the face and defend yourself. Like, that's the thing is if you're an enzyme, if you are an enzyme doesn't bend down and get in the mud with with people, you know, an enzyme is there and you make sure you you stay spotless and clean. And those that are looking for truth will find it. And sometimes people that look for truth, they don't they may not do it the first time. They may not do it the second time. How many times? Like, it's it's funny. It's it's like the anti-Nephi-Lehites, you know. They buried their weapons of war. They knelt there, and they were getting slaughtered. And something happened where these people said, no, we can't do this. This is so wrong. And it, it, it it's kind of that, that kind of scenario, you know. Well, where... if we're meant to be Christ-like, look at how he worked with the Pharisees. They were trying to drag him through the mud all the time trying to point out flaws or point out things that were supposedly wrong and asking him baiting questions, you know, what's the, what's the big, what's the most important commandment? 
And he didn't say, I don't know, what do you think the most important commandment is? You know, it didn't, like it wasn't, I don't know, he didn't, he didn't stoop down to their level, but he was still in many ways, uh, he rebuked them, but he was almost respectful about it. Like, yeah. I'm not telling you this to make you look stupid. I'm telling you this because I think you need to know and you don't, and you're not living it. Well, they, they wanted a very specific reaction from him. Because they were looking to trip him up or they were looking for increased conflict. Let's right. escalate the situation. And then then we can go to, he is besmirching us. Like, can you believe <laughs> he's talking bad about our whole society? You know, like, and then they can get carried away into doing what they're doing. And then, but I think the outcome was, is the same. The outcome was the same. They killed them in the end, right? Yeah. But what he did is he made sure they knew you're doing this, not me. Yep. You know, you're not wanting to listen. You're past feeling. You're twisting these words. I'm not here to fight you. And the outcome ended up being the same. If he would have started arguing with him, they probably would have killed him quicker. Right. Um, and the, the masterful thing that he did was that he never said, yeah, you know what? You're right. I mean, everyone thinks differently, and you guys, you guys are are right. That if that's your truth, then that's the truth for you. But he also didn't say, "I'm not even going to pay attention to you. You're worthless. You're meaningless. You're you're the the worst people on earth, and you're worse than dirt." You know, he didn't diminish them. He just basically said, "Look, here's the thing. What's the greatest commandment? To love one another." And they were like, whoa, wait, what? What? Yeah, just love each other. And it took him by surprise because he was saying something meaningful that they did not expect necessarily. And at the same time, was telling them that's something you're not doing, you know? <laughs> well, he, he taught them principles of why the laws were the laws. It's like if you came arguing to me and say, Oh, Feely, what's the most important thing? To stop at a stop sign or stop at a stoplight? If you're going to disregard one over the other, and you can come back and say, I think the most important thing is that we all get to where we're going safely. Right. And then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, but I want to fight over this semantics. You know, I want to get into this. And it's funny because you have people like that that are just, they want to be argumentative. They want to be combative. Because they've already come, they're trying, they, they, they've already chose the result they want. They just now are working on the theory and the, and the, and the experiment that, that fits that result. You know, they're working like the scientific method backwards. We, we've chosen the result. Now let's get, get the data, get the arguments, and get the experiences that back up our result, and then that makes us right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, anyway, so another interesting thing. Now we can go back to this. <laughs> in 3 Nephi chapter 1, you know, you mentioned in verse 9 how they're given this kind of hard deadline that they're, they're going to be killed, you yeah. know? And then in 10, Nephi sees this, and he gets very sad. And then he begins to pray and plead with the Lord in verse 12. He says... He cried mightily unto the Lord all day, all day. 
And the voice of the Lord came to him saying in verse 13, lift up your head and be of good cheer for behold, the time is at hand. And on this night shall the sign be given. And on the morrow come I into the world to show unto the world that I will fulfill all which I have caused to be spoken by the mouth of my holy prophets. Behold, I come unto my own to fulfill all things which I have made known unto the children of man from the foundation of the world. And I do this and to do the will both of the Father and of the Son and of the Father because of me and of the Son because of my flesh. Behold, the time is at hand and this night shall the sign be given. And I I think that's wonderful. You know, and, and the sign is that there will be a day and a night and a day and there will be no night. So it will be light all throughout. So it would be like you're living in Alaska all of a sudden. You know, <laughs> but I, I really like how Nephi is not spared his feelings of sorrow. He's, you know, and he's a righteous person. And he's doing in what the Lord tells him to do. And he still has, he can still feel sad. He can still have maybe a little bit of fear. And maybe he's not fearful that it won't happen, but he's fearful for the people. I don't want them to suffer. I don't want them to be killed. I don't, you know. Well, he knows that those people are looking for a way to discredit them and maybe even looking for a way to to get to kill them. And so he's like, even if this does happen, what if they don't, what if they say, oh, this isn't happening? No, we're going to kill you anyway, you know, because they could. So I think he's like you said, I don't think he's doubting that it's going to happen, but I think he's like. I don't know what's in these people's minds. I don't know why they've escalated this to this point, but please just protect us and and help us know that we're going to be okay. And the answer he gets is, look, it's happening. This is going to be fine. I like, I really like in the Book of Mormon where when Moroni and these prophets, they write the Lord speaking. Mm. They write when he speaks. Because in verse 13, when he says at the end of that verse, I will fulfill all which I have caused to be spoken by the mouth of my holy prophets. I really like that, my holy prophets. I think that's so nice that he didn't say by my prophets, but he said by my holy prophets. Like you can see the love and the respect he has for all of these people that, and he knows they're not having easy lives, you know? And he doesn't say, hey, come on, toughen up. I'm going to go through worse. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> he's not that kind of leader, right? He's like, he knows for them, he's asking a lot of them. And here he comes, you know, to, to fulfill all his words. And that's a comfort to us because just as for these people, for this example, for this sign, the Lord comes through and he fulfills his work. Same thing with us. Like, I mean, in, in at times we could feel like we're against some deadline or we're, if, if it doesn't happen or if I don't receive this help of this answer of my prayers and, and it happens. And it's funny because even the, even these people, Nephi and all of these members who are very, I would think they are all very righteous because they're being placed in a situation where it's your faith or your life type of scenario. 
which yes. a lot of us aren't placed in situations like that. I, I feel like these individuals, even the, they who had to wait on the Lord's timing and, and, but, but he, and his timing is his timing, but he always fulfills his promises. And then I think it's interesting that, um, in verse 19, it came to pass that there was no darkness in all the night, but it was as light as though it was midday. And it came to pass that the sun did rise in the morning again. So it's really cool because it wasn't just the sun stayed up and it was yeah. a really long day. The sun went down and it was still bright, which is, I think that would be really cool to see <laughs> something like that. And, um, and then in the morning, it came up in its proper order. And they knew that it was the day that the Lord should be born because the sign was given. And then um, 21, a new star did appear according to the word. And then 22 is really interesting. And it came to pass that from time, from this time forth, there began to be lies sent forth among the people by Satan to harden their hearts to the intent that they might not believe in those signs and wonders which they had seen. But notwithstanding these lyings and deceivings, the more part of the people did believe and were converted unto the Lord. So even, even when this great event occurs, that it's like they've been waiting for this for years. This is going to happen. We're going to kill half of you. We're going to, you know, and then it happens and everybody's like, wow, you cannot deny this. There were still some who hardened their hearts and decided to. You know, that can't be true. It must have been a weather balloon. It must have been this. Uh, you guys yeah. were tricked. And it's funny because even when you have a confirmation to your feelings, to your answers to your prayers, or a, just a miraculous saving, something happens, right? Satan will always come and try to insert doubt. Hey, but, you know, Maybe yeah, that was a coincidence. You know, night was still bright, but that that's great and all. But the prophecy is that Christ will be born. How do we know that happened? We're not right. there. <laughs> Just because the, the sun didn't the sun went down and it stayed bright doesn't mean that there's suddenly a savior being born. We don't know anything about that. You know? Just something like that that can that can kind of sow doubt and that can kind of make people question what they've actually witnessed and what they've experienced. That I think happens all the time. The lying sent forth among the people, just a twisting of the truth, you know? Yeah. You saw all this amazing stuff. There's a new star. Yeah. But I mean, what does that actually mean? That's luck. What happens next is kind of interesting because in 23, a lot of people get baptized. And then in 24, it tells us of this urge which I like to think means error. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so there were some people who started to believe that now that Christ was born, because they were looking, the law of Moses was, and they knew it all along. They've been observing the law of Moses. They've been taught many, many times by many prophets that this is just, it's pointing to a greater law. It's pointing to the fulfillment when Christ is, is here and his, you know, his advent and, and stuff. And so they, there were some people who thought that now it's not expedient to obey the law of Moses. 
And in 24th, it says, they, but as soon as they became converted, they were convinced of the error which they were in. For it was made known unto them that the law was not yet fulfilled and that it must needs be fulfilled in every wit. Yea, and the word came unto them that it must be fulfilled. Yea, and that one jaw or tittle should not pass away till it all should be fulfilled. Therefore, in this same year, they were brought to the knowledge of their errors and did confess their faults. And I, I don't know, I kind of like that a lot because they, they didn't do it. I don't, it doesn't sound like they did something terribly well. They were trying to follow that prophecy got fulfilled. Well, we were waiting for this other one for generations about the law of Moses being fulfilled. And, 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 and so maybe they got a little bit ahead of themselves, you know, they, they were, it doesn't seem like it was malicious, but they, it was corrected. Another reason why it's important to have prophets, why it's important to follow the leaders, because they'll be the guideposts and they'll yep. be the watchmen who say, now it's the time for this guys. Now it's the time. And, and they, you, you can't leave it to yourself to decide when, when these prophecies, especially things that impact the entire church or doctrine or, or things that are kind of left to you to decide when that happens. Um, and in 26, I really like, and thus the 90 and second year did pass away, bringing glad tidings unto the people because the signs which did come to pass according to the words of the prophecies of the Holy Prophets. And then... Here comes the Gadianto robbers again. <laughs> no. I, this is an exciting time, I think, for them, but it probably doesn't feel exciting sometimes going through monumental times, just like we. I mean, we're we're seeing we've we see a lot of changes happen in our lifetime. A lot of them are technological changes. We go from dial phones to cell phones to smartphones you know to going someplace to buy something to having it delivered to our home and hmm. a lot of them can be positive changes but there's also changes that are difficult uh human interactions are different everyone is way more exposed to a vast amount of opinions a vast amount of there's there's so many reason there's so many ways to see suffering now that you can feel suffering and injustices that you can feel overwhelmed as if all of life is suffering and injustice you know yeah. and and so it's kind of finding that balance of what radio stations what internet sites what things do you allow to feed into your life because you should know what's happening in the world, but you shouldn't become mired in it. Or yeah, overwhelmed keep, keep a perspective it. bigger than the moment. Like allow allow yourself to be aware of what's happening in the moment, but not be controlled by momentary issues. Like uh, give yourself the freedom to see a bigger picture. And I think that that is kind of what leads these people to start wanting to take advantage of the peace and becoming Gedeonton robbers is that they're not really seeing the bigger picture. They're seeing in this moment is my chance, right? 
everything starts to be peaceful. There's uh, prosperity. And then some people start to want to take advantage of that prosperity because they're like, I don't know. I don't know where this is all going. I don't know what this holds. But if I can get a little bit more slice of the pie and do it this way, then I'm going to do it. And, you know, they start these secret societies again of going and living in the mountains and pillaging people. And, and it seems ridiculous. It seems like, why, why are people doing that? But I think, just like Lehman and Lemuel, you know, we tend to have tendencies like that too, where everything is going well and we'll self-sabotage because we're like, well, but okay, so I, I, I'm doing well financially. Well, I'm going to start getting into some debt because I, I have money to spend, you know? And then it's like, you, you're not preparing for an emergency or you're not preparing for the future or you're not saving for when you're no longer working. And so when that comes around, all of a sudden, yeah, you're in a difficult spot because you haven't done, you haven't been prudent. Um, something like that. I think I have a question about verse 29. I know we're like, still have six chapters left to do. I'll try to hurry up. Sorry, everybody. But in verse 29, um, well, in 28, we hear that there were a lot of dissenters from the Nephites who did flee to join the yeah. Gadianter robbers. And in 29, it says, and there was also a cause of much sorrow among the Lamanites. For behold, there were many children who did grow up and began to wax strong in years, that they became for themselves and were led away by some who were Soramites by their lies and their flattering words to join those Gadianto robbers. And thus were the Lamanites afflicted also. So he's trying to say in both sides, the Nephites and the Lamanites were both getting recruited to join the Gadianto robbers. But I thought it was where, where it says about there were many children who did grow up and began to wax strong in years. So what does that mean? Does that mean that they they grew up and got old <laughs> and they <laughs> became for themselves meaning that they have like a big independent streak in them like they just hey i want to think for myself i i don't want to do what my parents want and then that opens the door for the soramites to lie and to try to like hey if you think for yourselves why don't you get a real job you go to the store you know in um work what like a loser for seven dollars an hour <laughs> or you can come with us and you can carry this backpack and give it to this guy and i'll give you two hundred dollars in a day i right? i like to think of it this way i think it's a different experience for Sorry, a 30 year old I, I went for a drug cartel all of a sudden like, <laughs> i keep getting getting recruited by a drug cartel <laughs> i think it's a different experience for a 30 year old to go through the signs and and symbols of the, the birth of christ and for a five-year-old you know a 30-year-old that's going to be a life-changing experience something that may solidify their testimony for the rest of their lives it's very it has that potential for a five-year-old, they're going to remember that something crazy happened and that it really their parents were really happy and, 
yeah, we talk about it a lot, but I don't really remember it that well, you know? And then as they're getting older and they become for themselves, they, they become independent adults and young people. I think that that's when, when uh, uh, bad influences start to come in with their flattering words and their lyings. And maybe they didn't have that strong uh, of a testimony to begin with, or maybe it was strong, but, you know, somebody comes in and says, like you were saying, yeah, I guess you could do it that way, but what you should come hang out with us and do this. And then at the end of verse 30, why did all this happen? Because of the wickedness of the rising generation. That these, these kids became a little bit susceptible to some of these lyings and flattering words, and they gave into it. Uh, not all of them, but it seems like enough to be able to mention it. But enough of these young people, as they became independent, started to, I don't know if it's just out of rebellion or out of trying to find their role in the world or what, but uh, started to look elsewhere for for happiness and for prosperity than where their where their parents were. I, I was wondering in that scripture verse, um, if this is, if now we're seeing the inverse of parents affecting their kids negatively, and now you're seeing the rising generation affecting society negatively. To the point where I wonder if some of them didn't drive more of the rising, I don't know. It, I'm just speculating. But. Well, the, the very first verse of chapter two, and it came to pass that thus passed away the 95th year also. And the people began to forget those signs and wonders which they had heard and began to be less and less astonished at a sign or a wonder from heaven, insomuch that they began to be hard in their hearts and blind in their minds and began to disbelieve all which they had heard and seen. Imagining up some vain thing in their hearts that it was wrought by men and by the power of the devil, to lead away and deceive the hearts of the people. And thus did Satan get possession of the hearts of the people again, insomuch that he did blind their eyes and lead them away to believe that the doctrine of Christ was a foolish and vain thing. So one of the things that I think is dangerous, that is off-putting to me by some very smart people, like people that are famous astrophysicists or, or things like that, is when they because they can explain why something miraculous happens because us orbiting around the sun isn't is a miracle like we don't really i mean we understand why it happens like how how it happens but it doesn't give us the answer of the meaning of why 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 does this truly why are we here well, I can tell you how a cell becomes an embryo, becomes an adult, and, you know, I can tell you that. I can tell you all those functions. And I think sometimes we, and I'm not, I, I love all this stuff. I think all the knowledge is great. I think God uses knowledge, and he knows really why things, how they work and how they happen. And I think we're learning to learn how to learn, how to know how things actually mm -hmm. happen. But I think sometimes we become arrogant as people and we say, or, or we think we know better. And it's easy to dismiss God's hand and his great design and all these in his creations. 
because we think we know, and we and it may be true what we know, but we know step one of a thousand steps, you know, and we think we can disregard the thousand step because we know step one and two, right? Well, and, and that's so, why knowing both and understanding both is so important. Knowing that there is a scientific explanation for a lot of things, but also knowing that that is just merely a testimony of the power of God, right? That that does not diminish or explain away a miracle or the power of God. It just basically says, isn't that amazing that he can do that? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that's why I, I'm a big techie nerd. And I really liked technology because you never know, you know, we would have never known back when we were doing dial-up. And then you, sometimes you even get a busy signal and you'd have to dial up again. And there was a 56K modem, you know, and you'd click on something and then in 30 seconds, you the website would load. You're like, that's right. I got fast internet. Now, if something <laughs> takes 30 seconds, we're like, what is going on here? <laughs> You've you already know? gone to check the router and unplugged yeah, and I replugged mean, and <laughs> Yeah, you know, we don't we don't see how amazing these things are. Anyway, in verse in chapter two, there's two verses I really like in verse eleven and twelve. And eleven it tells us that uh the commencement of the 13th year that began with wars and the Gadianton robbers had become so numerous and they'd slay so many people and they lay waste to so many cities and they'd spread so much death and carnage throughout the land. It became expedient that all people, both Nephites and Lamanites, should take up arms against them. And in 12, therefore, all the Lamanites who had become converted unto the Lord did unite with their brethren, the Nephites. And were compelled for their safety of their lives and their women and their children to take up arms against those getting into robbers. Yeah. And also to maintain their rights and their privilege, their church and their worship and their freedom and their liberty. So when I read that, the thought that came to me is like, that's right now. That's what yeah. we're living. We're living that right now. We are embraced not by our race, but united by our religion throughout all the world, all the members, and we're all united. We all tune in to general conference. We're all receiving direction from the same prophet. We're all, we can all talk to each other. We share messages. We read the enzyme in the Liahona, and we, we hear stories of saints doing wonderful things in, in, in Bosnia, in Russia, in Japan, in Mexico, in Utah, you know, and it's like, and we're united. And that's what I thought. It's like, we're at this point, you know, we're, we're, we're technology allows us the freedom to stay um, geographically where we live. But in all intents and purposes, we are united together, you know, uh, in, in strengthening each other, in, in, in what he said here, um, for the safety of their lives, the women, the children, to take up arms against the enemy. Uh, okay, to maintain their rights, their privileges of their church and their worship. How many articles have we seen of the brethren going and meeting with foreign 
in foreign countries about religious freedom. It's not just a topic here in the Americas, you know. And then how many uh, letters every year do we get from the general, general authorities telling us to get involved in our local governments, to get involved in voting, to whatever means or government we have to look for ways of influencing it so, so we can promote gospel principles and gospel truths, you know? And, and I don't know, that just really kind of hit me. I never looked at it that way, that we're, we're very united and we're worldwide. We're not the Nephites, we're not the Utahites, the Japanites, the Mexicanites, <laughs> you know? We are the members of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, all around the world united to promote and protect these privileges uh, for all of us. Yeah, and even even during this pandemic, like our our ability to worship in our normal way has been curtailed a little bit, and well, more than a little bit. But we found ways to still be able to worship, to be able to connect with one another. I think uh, the the general authorities are putting stuff on the church website. They're making announcements. Still, it's like this has not stopped. This will not stop. Just because we're not able to meet in a normal sacrament meeting and Sunday school meeting and, and lessons does not mean that the work of the Lord will halt. This is continuing forward. And this is not a hiatus. This is not a break. This is not a vacation from, from worship or from truth or from the gospel. Um, you can still do everything on a personal level that you did before. The only difference is we can't necessarily all get together weekly the way we're used to doing and i think it's pushing us to find different ways to connect with one another whether it's over the phone over video conferencing over a newsletter over whatever it may be that we're finding different ways to to reach out to one another that maybe we didn't do before and hopefully that'll be, make us stronger when this is all over that we'll be able to say that's what we did before, and we liked that, and we can continue doing that in addition to our normal worship. The, this, um, this next part that I really like is in chapter 5, and it's when Mormon starts to speak about himself yeah, and why he's doing what he's doing. And, um, you know, in verse, um, oh, let's see, verse 12 or 11. I do make the record of these plates which I made with my own hands. And behold, I am called Mormon. Behold, call, being called after the land of Mormon, the land which Alma did establish the church among the people, yea, the first church which was established among them after their transgression. Behold, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I have been called of him to declare his word among his people. And they that they might have everlasting life. And it's just, I don't know, it's just, he's kind of saying to me, he's kind of saying, look, I am compiling all of this so you can know. You can know what happened to us. And then he 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 towards the end he throws out this prophecy about the house of Jacob. And it's symbolic of Israel. And it's symbolic of the people, God's children, his, his, his disciples. 
And then verse 20, he says, I am Mormon. I am a pure descendant of Lehi. I have reason to bless my God and my Savior, Jesus Christ, that he brought our fathers out of the land of Jerusalem. And no one knew save it were himself and those who he brought out of that land, that he might give me and my people so much knowledge unto the salvation of our souls. Surely he has blessed the house of Jacob and has been merciful unto the seed of Jacob. And inasmuch as the children of Lehi have kept his commandments, he has blessed them and prospered them according to his word. And then in verse 24, he says, And surely as the Lord liveth, he will gather in from all quarters of the earth all the remnants of the seed of Jacob, who are scattered abroad unto all the face of the earth. And as he had covenant with the house of Jacob, even so shall he covenant wherewith he has covenant with the house of Jacob. He be fulfilled in his own due time unto the restoring of all the house of Jacob, unto the knowledge of the covenant that he has made covenants with them. And they shall know that their Redeemer, who is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and then shall they be gathered in from the four corners of the earth unto their own lands, from whence they have been dispersed. Yea, and the Lord liveth, so shall, and as the Lord liveth, so shall it be. Amen. And I, I think I really like that because he's kind of, he's seen what's happening. And this is Mormon. He's at the end. He's writing, you know, later on we hear, we, we get to see him basically continuously leading his people. And then his son Moroni is the last, kind of last remnant that buries these plates and these records. But he's kind of telling us, just as they were led from Jerusalem, they were led out and they were preserved by the hand of the Lord. And this whole story is of how when they were being obedient, they were blessed. And when they weren't, they were not blessed. And the Lord has let us know that he's going to be merciful and he's going to gather all his children from all quarters of the earth. And they're going to all come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I don't know, I, I, I almost feel like it wasn't hard for him to record what happened here with these Gadiantra robbers. And before he's also interjected himself, you know, back in Helaman to tell us these Gadiantra, I will show you how these Gadiantra robbers were the downfall of this civilization. He says not, and I'm not talking about the book of Helaman. I'm talking about the entire book of Mormon, the yep. entire story of my people. It's not easy to view especially this year as we've read the book and seen so many times the Lord saving his people, leading his people, forgiving his people, rescuing them, strengthening them, giving them signs that this book is, if it were a movie, it would end in a tragedy. The good guy would appear not to win. But the book points to we that they knew that all along. They knew that ultimately the people were going to dwindle in unbelief. But that their words could be written and could be preserved because their, their descendants and the house of Jacob and the Gentiles would value these words at one point. You know, that, the, the, that it would speak as if, you know, a voice from the dust, you know. And... 
And I really like that. I I think it makes the Book of Mormon so unique to me. And it's something that for me, it makes me appreciate it. And it makes me understand that there's no way a 14 year old boy dreamed this up in his mind, you know? <laughs> This is, this is, this is, um, this book was inspired and written by all of these individuals and preserved by our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ to come out in our day to teach us these lessons that uh, as simple as if you, if you trust in the Lord, he will always come through. And if you keep the commandments, you will prosper. And avoid these pitfalls, these easy ways. And that's, I mean, like you were saying before, the Gadianta robbers, they're like leeches. They require a host or or someone else to do the work while they suck the life out of that. And And what's interesting is that all of that is applicable directly to our time and has been applicable to every time since then. So it's not something that, you know, it's an old story that maybe we can glean some information from. No, a lot of this is speaking directly to us when in, in the next, in the last two chapters, six and seven, there's a rise of the Gideon robbers. They want to destroy the government. They actually succeed in doing that. And they are forced to divide into tribes in chapter seven. They separate one from another into tribes, every man according to his family and his kindred and friends, and thus they did destroy the government of the land. And every tribe did appoint a chief or leader over them, and thus they became tribes and leaders of tribes. And then verse 4, And now behold, there was no man among them, save he had much family and many kindreds and friends. Therefore their tribes became exceedingly great. Once again, Obviously, we're not being divided into uh, tribes in the same way, but when we when we isolate ourselves into smaller groups, we tend to en- enter into that echo chamber of whatever I say and those around me believe also what I say and think the same way as me. There's no progress. And while they did this to kind of survive and withstand the changes of, uh, of this evil secret society of Gadianton robbers. There are many ways in which we, we do this willingly, where we, we willingly separate ourselves into tribes of this is what I believe and that, uh, that's different from them and so they're not one of us. It doesn't matter the cause of it as much as the fact that it's happening. And any division like this, weakens the gospel on earth it weakens the church it weakens um, the influence that the lord can can have through us i think he's he's illustrating that this happened and it was kind of a, a necessity for them to do this because without without a structure of government to protect society they were kind of forced to pull back into their own little tribal groups I was going to say, it's really easy to look at the Book of Mormon from your country's perspective. Yeah. And for a majority of people here in Utah, because that's where we're at, we look at it as a book written for us here in Utah. And it was written for 
all people. It, it, you know, what is it, President Benson or President Kimball? The goal, you know, the, the movement to flood the earth with the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Because these problems with communities and governments and being overthrown, being overrun, being uh, corrupt is not something unique to you it's a worldwide thing yeah you know and you can see this in many governments people that are trying to subvert things or trying to manipulate people or trying to corrupt or, or trying to take advantage or uh, try to work outside the rules of, of you know most countries you their constitutions and their rules are probably just fine the problem is is following if people were to follow the programs, um, but it's when that corruption comes, the 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 Gadianton of us takes over, where we say, you know, I really should do this, but if I take this shortcut, or if I imply this, and or if I give this person a favor and they give me a favor, you know, and then and then we can't have people find out about this because. You know, so we must keep it a secret, and 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 it builds almost like into this corruption, you know, and it takes the power away from the people. You know, how many how many elections have we seen in countries where, uh, one we couldn't trust the election results? We know that that's not true. They're kind of like these fake elections, just for the sake of publicity, <laughs> or the 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 opposition leader wins but they don't get to be power <laughs> yeah or someone disappears or someone dies or you know it's it's this whole getting into robert thing it's interesting though because in verse 15 of chapter 7 and it came to pass that nephi having having been visited by angels and also the voice of the lord Therefore, having seen angels and being eyewitness and having had power given unto him that he might know concerning the ministry of Christ. So he's aware through revelation what Christ is doing in Jerusalem, which I think is pretty awesome. And also being eyewitness to their quick return from righteousness to their wickedness and abominations. Therefore, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, went forth among them in that same year and began to testify boldly repentance and the remission of sins through the faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did minister many things unto them, and all of them cannot be written, and a part of them would not suffice. Therefore they are not written in this book. And Nephi did minister with the power with power and great authority. It doesn't matter how bad things get. It doesn't matter how much contention, how much dissension, how much falling apart government may be. The work of the Lord does not stop. That is the lesson right there. That, you know, people have seen all these signs. Some of them believed it. Some of them were kind of questioning it. People came in with lyings and flattering words and even started to dissuade some of those who did believe it. Things got really crazy. Gadianton robbers laying siege on an entire people, you know, convincing some of them to join them. Eventually the government's destroyed. They're forced to live in family tribal bands to be able to sustain themselves. It seems pretty dystopian at this point. 
But what is the one constant? The connection of God to his prophet and the prophet saying, look, this is what's happening. This is truth. Listen, follow this, do this. And it doesn't stop. It doesn't matter how bad things got. Even if we fast forward all the way to the end of the Book of Mormon, right? When the wars are so bad and the Nephites are getting so destroyed that there really isn't a chance for any church to take hold. They're still writing because they know what I write here is going to withstand anything and will make it to someone's ears, right? I I think it's interesting that Nephi, uh, after that, you you see in verse 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, that he is out there working really hard to to sh- to give people an opportunity you know to to join and and he's out there in in 18 and and well 17 at the end of 17 Nephi did minister with power and with great authority it came to pass that people were angry with him even he had great power than they for it were not possible that they could disbelieve his words. For so great was his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that angels did minister unto him daily. And it came in and in the name of Jesus did he cast out devils, unclean spirits, even his brother he did raise from the dead. So even people who are like, Well, Christ is over there and he's doing all these miracles, why doesn't he come? They're having Nephi here just doing almost the same things, you know. And in 20, and people saw and they did witness it and were angry with him because of his power. And they did also do many more miracles in the sight of the people in the name of Jesus. And it came to pass that 30 and first year did pass away. And there were a few that were converted, but as many as were converted truly signified to the people that they had been visited by the power of the Spirit of God, which was in Jesus Christ, whom they believed. And as many as devils were cast out and were healed from sickness and infirmities. You know, it's just, I don't know, I I, I often feel like um, we think like Christ's ministry, those people had a unique, I mean, they had him. Yeah. But I also think Nephi was here just showing the power of God and of Christ and in his name working great miracles i mean raising someone from the dead um casting His out brother. devils <laughs> you know um and i wonder how he died because we know i don't know well, it this says is the other he nephi. had been stoned and suffered death by the people <laughs> that's a bad way to go <laughs> but but yeah i mean it, it shows that um not only does the work of the lord not stop but would wouldn't you rather be on the side that angels are ministering to you daily than on the side that's kind of wishy-washy or the side that gives in to outside pressure? Wouldn't you rather be on the side that has faith enough to work miracles, even in the most challenging of times? And I think that he's hastening the work. He knows how imminent the visitation of, well, he knows that Christ is on the earth. And I'm sure that he knows everything that's happening over there by revelation. And so he's trying to say, all right, now is the time. We need to hasten the work. Things are getting really crazy around here. 
and there has to be an equal positive influence, right? And he's doing his best to to do that, and people are being converted to the Lord. There, there's um in the in the manual the last section it says, "Am I a disciple of Jesus Christ?" Um, and then it gives us that scripture in Doctrine and Covenants section forty one verse five. And I jumped over there to read it, and it's pretty straightforward. It says, "He that receiveth my law and does it, the same as my disciple." And he that saith he received it and does it not, the same as not my disciple, and shall be cast out from among you. And it's funny because um, they both receive it. One does does it, follows it. The other one says he received it and does not do it. So he wants to be counted among those Hey, I know this church is true. You know, they get up there. I know this church is true. Oh, I know the Book of Mormon is real. But doesn't do it, you're not a disciple. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm not, I, and I, yeah, I understand. I mean, we're all, we're all in those phases. We're, you know, we're all in times when we're not obedient and we need to repent and we, we know something and we just don't act according to our knowledge or we believe in something and we, we, we choose not to, it's easier or we put it off or we procrastinate or we think in some future time I'll get my act together, right? We've all done it. I do it all the time, you know, um, but it's the fact that if we, if, if we're, and that, and that's the thing that that's what, com that's what really, what, what combats these Gadians or robbers? These, these, um, what are, they're almost like um, corrosive society behaviors. What combats is, is doing the good behaviors, you know? And it begins with you. It begins with us. And, and I think about the Lord and I think about, uh, we hear this all the time that in Gethsemane, he took our name one by one. He, 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 he was an individual. Like, and I've heard um, Elder Holland refer to it as a temple, the temple of Gethsemane, where he took our names individually through that temple. Um, and I think it's important that we we try to be as, as the disciples of Christ, we try to treat others as individuals, not as groups of people, not as, um, not blanket statements. We think we understand a group of people, therefore we understand all those people. I think it's important that we learn to have individual connections, to talk to people one by one, because they deserve it. And that's how our Heavenly Father, that's how he treats us. He wants us to pray to him. And our covenants we make are one by one. And, and only then, only at the end, are we ready to make a covenant, two of us, to the Savior. So there's a lot of preparatory covenants that are individual until we get to the sealing power where we need to be together as a family, right? And I think there's something to be 
to for us there's a, a lot of opportunity for us to think about that. Why is it important that I think of myself and develop an individual relationship with the Savior before I go out and try to change the world? Well, yeah. I mean, Nephi went and did all of that stuff, but he didn't just wake up one day and say, you know, I'm kind of sick of everybody being so bad. I'm going to go heal some people and cast out some evil spirits. You know, he he had been visited by angels and also by the voice of the Lord. Therefore, having seen angels and being eyewitness and having had the power given unto him that he might know the concerning the ministry of Christ, and also being eyewitness to their quick return from righteousness to their wickedness and abominations, then he went out and did it. Like, there was a lot of preparation there, and there was a lot of confirmation of his calling to do that before he just went out and started trying to convert the masses, you know? He he was like, all right, I have to be in a good place. I have to know what I'm talking about and have a strong enough testimony that, come what may, I'm going to be able to take it on and convert people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know. I I think, I like, I mean, we live in this time where Savior has come. We're just waiting for you to come back. It'd be weird in living in a time where he hasn't come. Like they told me it hasn't happened yet. But then you're being taught that it's so infinite that you can repent now. Like it still works for you now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's easy to think after because it's already happened. He's paid for your sin. As opposed to he's going to pay for your sin. It's a different kind of faith. The Book of Mormon is truly the keystone of our religion, and that a man and woman will get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. And if you then go and do what he would have you do, your power to trust him will grow, and in time, you will be overwhelmed with gratitude to find that he has come to trust you. There is no end to the good we can do, to the influence we can have with others. Let us not dwell on the critical or the negative. Let us pray for strength. Let us pray for capacity and desire to assist others. Let us radiate the light of the gospel at all times and in all places that the Spirit of the Redeemer may radiate from us. My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ invites us to take the covenant path back home to our heavenly parents and be with those we love. He invites us to come, follow me.